I apologize that I seem to have to deal with all of the difficult topics on Wednesday nights, and it's two nights in a row, but with this gospel and what's recently hit the news, there's not really much I can do about it. So we're just going to go for this one. All right, so in case you haven't heard it yet, uh, there was a documentary that was released uh, at the Rome Film Film Festival yesterday. Uh, and the documentary is called Francesco. It's this wonderful documentary. Well, it's, it's wonderful that it's a documentary about the Pope. It's not a wonderful documentary. Um, in which there are a, a whole number of, of interviews and, and quotes of Pope Francis that appear. And uh, while you, at least I've not been able to find an online version of it yet, it apparently premieres in the United States on October 25th. And so I imagine we'll be able to see it uh, fairly soon. Um, Reports have gone out about a particular quote in this documentary that is directly from the mouth of the Holy Father. Um, And I've checked it in a couple languages, specifically English and Italian, and even the local Rome papers have the exact citation. And so I don't think it's a, it's not like, oh, this is just rumors. It's not bad translations. This is actually pretty accurate. Um, However, I still hope that it's not accurate. Um, so the, one, the, the first quote that uh, comes from Pope Francis is, uh, homosexuals have a right to be, part of the fam- to be a part of the family. They're children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody could, should be thrown out or be made miserable because of it. As Catholics, we 100% agree with that, right? Homosexuals have a right to be a part of the family, without a doubt. If you have a homosexual in your family, you should not throw them out. You should not reject them. We love and care for every single human being, no matter what their tendencies, desires, whatever it may be, we as Christians love human beings because they're made in the image and likeness of God, and nobody should be rejected. Right? And says, they're children of God and have a right to a family. Absolutely. You, the majority of the people in this church right now, college students, you are all part of a family, right? You're born into a family. And so that right has been granted to you. What is not a universal right is a right to a homosexual union. We'll get to that in a second. Right? And it goes on and it says, nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable because of it. We absolutely agree on that. Now, nothing that Pope Francis has said up to this point is problematic. However, there's a little bit later another statement that he says in regard to homosexual unions. He says, we have to cre- what we have to create is a civil union law. That way, they are legally covered. That is contrary to the Catholic Church's teaching. In fact, in 2003, there's a, a document that was sent out from the CDF, and the CDF is the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. So essentially the congregation in the Vatican that's in charge of all of the things in regard to the faith. 
And in 2003, they wrote this document called Considerations Regarding Proposals to Give Legal Recognition to Unions Between Homosexual Persons. And the, this, this considerate, the document is, is fairly, it's not really long, but it's, it's, it's lengthy. I'll just read a little bit of it. It says, the church teaches that respect for homosexual persons cannot lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or to legal recognition of homosexual unions. The common good requires that laws recognize, promote, and protect marriage as the basis of the family, the primary unit of society. Legal recognition of homosexual unions or placing them on the same level as marriage would mean not only the approval of deviant behavior with the consequence of making it a model in present day society, but would also obscure basic values which belong to the common inheritance of humanity. The church cannot fail to defend these values for the good of men and women and for the good of society itself. The document is also very clear about how we as Catholics should act in regard to these unions. And so it says, one must refrain from any kind of formal cooperation in the enactment or application of such gravely unjust laws and as far as possible from material cooperation on the level of their application. So essentially it's saying we can't cooperate with the creation of these laws in any way. What Pope Francis just did was cooperate with the formation of these laws. You should be shook right now. First question, how do we as Catholics deal with this? This is the moment where it's extremely important to distinguish what has always been taught by the church, but really for the last 30 years or so, we've had great popes who have never had an opinion contrary to the Catholic Church's teaching, right? And that is that the pope's opinion doesn't matter. Popes, in their opinions, can err. They've done that a lot. It has happened frequently through history. Where the Pope cannot err is when he speaks ex cathedra. So what that means, ex cathedra means it's literally from the chair, but it's uh, cathedra uh, in the sense of like the teaching chair. So here at the university, you have uh, you know certain teaching chairs that are usually endowed in some way, so they, basically there's a certain amount of money that's given to a certain professor to advance teaching in a certain thing, and you speak of it as, oh yeah, they are the chair of X. So when we talk about X cathedra, or from the chair, we're talking about from the chair of specifically Peter, who is entrusted with the role of universally teaching on behalf of the church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. And so, in order for that to be the case, it has to be, uh, the Pope has to teach universally, so he has to, first off, intend to actually be teaching, and it has to be universal, so it has to be to the entire world, in a definitive manner, so he has to say, and this is what the church has always taught, in regard to matters of faith and morals. The Pope talking during a documentary is not any of those, right? 
So what just happened was not the Pope trying to act ex cathedra in any way. It was him saying his opinion. So as Catholics, we can just say, well, I mean, this stinks. Nobody likes to have to sit and listen to the Pope be wrong, especially in matters of faith and morals. But this has happened before. He's a human being just like the rest of us. He can be wrong in regard to his opinion, just like the rest of us. And now we have proof right in front of us. Once again, it stinks, but we shouldn't be shocked. Now, I think the more important question to ask is, why does the church teach this? Why is it that the Pope's wrong? Like, why can't we just be nice? Like gay people have their civil unions. Why can't we just support that? And it actually goes back to something that I spoke about, uh, I think it was last week, the, the distinction between being nice and being charitable. So actually the most loving thing, even for the person who wants to enter into a homosexual union, is to tell them, no, that is not good for you. Now, why is that the case? There are specifically two reasons. So first off, the, the concept of, of, a, of a homosexual civil union is a kind of paralleling to marriage, right? Basically, it's like, okay, well, we don't want to call it gay marriage, so we're going to call it a gay civil union so that basically it looks exactly the same, but it's just not called that. And so within that, that includes the acting out of uh, basically the marital act, which of course is impossible between two people of the same sex. And so why do we say that's, that's not a good thing for homosexuals? Why is it not really, why, yeah, let's, we'll just start there, within homosexual unions. So it goes down to what are our sexual organs for? What's the purpose of all of this? There's a, there's a great quote that when man looks at himself on his own, he doesn't make sense. And the same thing when the woman looks at herself on her own, she doesn't make sense. Right? Like a guy looks at himself and he's like, well, that's, what's that for? And the woman's like, well, why, why does this stuff keep coming out? Like, what's happening? I don't understand. Right? We actually don't make sense without the other sex. And those specific organs that, that make us ask that question are, in fact, one of the ways that we can do one of the most sacred things possible. To create another human being which is done specifically through the sexual act is an act of co-creation with God. The man provides half of the matter, the woman provides the other half of the matter, and God creates the human soul at conception. And so a man and a woman, whenever they enter into the marital act, 
are actually entering into an action with God. And so that action isn't just something that feels good, but it's actually something sacred. And so for us to use those things that were made for sacred, for a sacred action, for anything else, whether it's masturbation, uh, sex that is contracepted, sex outside of marriage, anything else, it's, it's actually damaging to our souls. It's taking something sacred and it is destroying it. And so for us to say, oh yeah, this man and this man or this woman and this woman, they can enter into this parallel thing to marriage, which then assumes that they're also using their sexual organs that were created for a, a, a sacred purpose in a profane way, basically for the sake of pleasure, is to allow them to, to just commit sacrilege and to say it's okay. But saying that sacrilege is okay actually destroys a person's soul. And so when we look at someone and we say, no, that's not okay, you can't do that, it's because we love them. That's what's going on. Now, the second reason that we can't say as Catholics that, that homosexual civil unions are okay is because doing that actually distorts the understanding of what marriage is all about. Marriage is the, essentially the, the first step in the creation of a new family. And that creation of a new family becomes the foundation for society. Both natural society, so like you know, America, America, Texas, <laughs> right? Um, but also the society of the church. And there are certain things that are, that are learned within the family that actually make us better members of society, both naturally and supernaturally, in, in our country and in the church. So for example, one of the things that you learn in the family is patience with another person. Right? If you are not patient in society, then you end up destroying proper relationships. Uh, another one is this idea of self-sacrifice, that you can't always put yourself first. That's something that you have to learn in a family. Another one is the idea of putting human beings above material things. Within a family, if you're not contracepting, if the parents aren't contracepting, then everybody has to learn that because another baby just came and that baby has to be fed. And so everybody has to make sacrifices. And so if we take a union that cannot produce, that like in its very nature, cannot produce more children, then we are distorting also the thing that it is paralleled to. 
And if we distort the thing that it is parallel to, then the foundations of both society and of the church begin to crumble. And so it's not good for anybody if we say that civil, homosexual civil unions are okay. Now, I think the last question to ask is how did we get here? If you noticed, I listed next to homosexual actions several other actions that are considered to be very normal in our society. Masturbation, contracepted sex, inside or outside of marriage, and then sex outside of marriage. All of those take the sexual organs, something that is very sacred, and makes them profane. People begin to think of sex as just something that feels good, like, well, I can go to the masseuse and have my back rubbed, or I can go over here and have sex. That it, it becomes just this act that feels good. And in our own society, because we've decided that we want to accept masturbation, contracepted sex, and sex outside of marriage as this thing that is, okay, perhaps taboo, but really culturally acceptable, we've already necessarily taken the step to say there's nothing wrong with homosexual sex. And therefore also homosexual unions because we've destroyed sex as a whole and there's no purpose in any of this anymore. We've made the sacred profane and now we're simply dealing with the consequences. And so, as I've said, it's not fun to hear the Pope say something that is clearly contrary to church teaching. To a certain degree, it's a little bit of a relief. He said many other things that were just confusing. And everybody was like, I don't know how to take this. How are we supposed to understand this? Well, he spoke clearly enough, at least at this moment, that we can clearly say, no. That is not in accord with church teaching. And so it also means that we don't need to fret if he says other things that seem to not be in accord with church teaching because we already know that he has made an error in this way. So it's actually a little bit kind of, of a relief in an odd way. How do we, or what should we now do if you guys notice, we're actually praying the Mass for the Holy Father. There's a special Mass for special needs and occasions that is uh, offered for the Pope. And so we'll be praying specifically for him. Pray constantly for our Holy Father. Uh, the Gospel does not speak very kindly to those who have been given much and who don't res respond well to that. And so uh, we need to pray for him, not only for the sake of the Church, but also for the sake of his own soul. Uh, also, Offer sacrifices for him. Do your best to essentially lift up the Holy Father with your own life of holiness, with your own life of prayer. And continue to encourage each other to really embrace the faith wholeheartedly. Unfortunately, for generations, people have not been formed well in the faith. And that has gotten through every single level of the church, now apparently even to the Holy Father.
Once again, I'm going to repeat, this is not the first time this has happened in the church, and we're still here. If you look at the Old Testament, the people of Israel went through a cycle of fidelity and infidelity. It's happened in the church as well, periods of fidelity and infidelity. Unfortunately, we're at one of the not-fidelity moments, uh, but by us simply being faithful. We will get through this, we will succeed, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church.